This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be And now your host, TJ. And here we go again with the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. And today it's I'm doing a daytime edition, not recording at night, because I have all the way over from Scotland. I've got from Boys and Blue Noses podcast. I've got he's from writes for Rangers News at UK. He's part of GRV Media. I've got James Black, who who I got to know through OTF Soccer many many moons ago in a galaxy far far away. So he's a resident UK Scotland Fire fan. So taking the time out of your evening james i do appreciate it and we've been talking for a long time so for a while now but let's get this recording and let's see what kind of things we can come up with today so welcome hey yeah good to be on thanks for having me looking forward to it and and because we're dealing with you know across the pond things sometimes the connections get a little dicey skype decides it really doesn't care and want to work with us so if we have issues and that comes up guess what that's part of doing a podcast and that's kind of how it works so the reason okay so I'm on. I'm off of work today, and we decided we want. We've been wanting to do this for a while, and we got a little bit of, you know, even though it's the off season, we got some fire news. And what I wanted to ask you about is because, for those who haven't listened, I, I, I guess I'm going to step back, and I want to start with, how did you get to be a fire fan? I know, I know the story, but let's just put that out there for those who may not, and those who are unique to this. That how did you find the fire, and how did you find us, which is even scarier. So. So, the story of me becoming a fire fan. Um, yeah, so one random miserable January, some near seven years ago, like, yeah, seven years ago, uh, January of 2013, sitting on Twitter one afternoon, and a tweet randomly popped up saying that the MLS Super Draft will be happening in one hour's time. So, I decided um, I'm going to watch the MLS Super Draft, and... Being this partisan soccer fan that I am, I had to pick a team and I just threw it out there to Twitter. Find me a team and we'll have a little experiment and try and follow along for and see how long I can, I can keep my interest. And here we are in December 2019. And here you are, and you're and you're a fan of the Chicago Fire, and and then you found OTF Soccer, which is probably one of the low points of your life. I, I, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, that, that was finding Brendan. Through OTF, that, that was. But that, that was the low point. Well, there's that. Um, and <laughs> but for and for those who don't know, a couple of years ago, James came over and he caught it. Was it? It was the season opener, wasn't it? That you came over, over for? Yeah, the 2017 opener. 2017 opener against RSL. And we yeah. you froze your, and you froze your ass off, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Yes, I did. Oh, I wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Um, it was cool, but yeah. It was... Well, I guess I guess relative to what you were used to to go watch a to go watch a soccer game in, <laughs> it was a little colder. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it was a little colder for a normal March game. I'll give it that. Um, but oh, it was fantastic! I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was such a different experience to going to a game over this side of the pond. Um, things like tailgating, being able to drink outside the stadium so in scotland um we have a somewhat different attitude towards alcohol and soccer 
Um, so if I get on a train anywhere in the country going to a soccer game, normally I can drink, I can have a can of beer and do my thing, but not going to soccer. If I'm on the bus, I can't have a beer. If I go to the ground drunk, I don't get in. Alcohol is like the worst thing in the world, according to Scottish football, and you're just not allowed it. So going to games in America where people are in the parking lots with bags of beer, it was, it was crazy. Uh, it's it just a whole different world, and soccer itself wasn't too bad. The fire actually won. Yeah, I, that's true. I, it, yeah. And we got to meet you because I know I at that point you hadn't moved down into the city. You were still staying out in the suburbs. So I picked you up and took yeah. you to the game. And it was and it was great. You got to meet Charlie and it was it was definitely a good time. And then you hung out for a little bit and then went over to the to the Eagles nest for the second for the rest for the game. And it was that was that was great. Um, but so so you're a fire fan in Scotland. And of course, the news of the week, they finally made it official and the fire released the logo that I said on the last minivan dad, I said it was awful. I still think it's awful, but it's now in existence. Do I think it, like I said, do I think it's a thing of beauty? No, I really don't. However, so I'm going to start with what's your take on it? I mean, I don't think it's good. Like I said, I don't, but I understand why it's necessary. And I guess we'll, we'll go with your take and we'll see where, and we'll kind of see where the conversation goes from there. I mean, aesthetically, it's, it's a quite a really odd one because as a standalone thing, when you take the badge on its own, it's, it's not that nice. Um, having seen it on some of the merchandise, so on some of the t-shirts, it doesn't look quite as bad. When it's backed onto, onto like a full navy background, it doesn't look as bad. The colours I don't mind. It's of its time. It's very much a, a, a 2019 soccer creation. Um, when you look at a lot of recent club rebrands, they tend to be doing this thing where it's, they're moving away from what traditional soccer badges look like. Juventus being the prime example. You look at Juventus's old badge, and then you look at the new one they changed a few years ago with the, the double J's. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a big, big change from what it was. But I do also think it's, it's absolutely crucial for Chicago Fire at this point in their history. I think a lot of things had to change. Um, and while there have been lots of people talking about the club losing identity and parts of its history being forsaken and all this hyperbolic nonsense, if I'm honest, the truth is a, a small change in identity is simple as a badge that's it's something that reflects just the whole top-down change, the, it's in a decade of failure, really, at the club. When was the last time when anybody would, would consistently be able to sit and go, well, we're a, we're a genuine playoff team, we're a team who are going to challenge for silverware every season. And just changing all of these things is something that will hopefully breathe a bit of new life into a club who is kind of on its deathbed. I mean, there, there was rumours and suggestions a while ago that contraction might be a possibility. So, a new badge and new kits and a, a slightly changed name is not a bad thing when 
the alternative could have been not having Chicago Fire at all. Yeah, no, and 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 you hit the nail on the head. It's, I think you're right in that. I think Mansueto wants to create a new identity, and if and if and if the result is like I said, you know, and I look back at this is going in American sports archives. It's not like the Fire has the tradition of the Blackhawks or the Cubs or the White Sox. They don't have the hundred years of those. And if you look at any of those franchises or those teams over the years, they have changed their uniforms. I can remember as recently in the last 30 years, the Blackhawks used to wear black at home. They they switched over. I want to say it was in the, in the 90s, they were wearing black home jerseys for a while. So I, it happens. Um, I think the idea, the, the idea I ca- that came to my mind was the New England Patriots for years had Pat Patriot, you know, the white helmet with the guy hiking the, 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 the American, you know, hiking the football, the revolutionary. Yep. And then now they have that, what they always call it, they call it the flying Elvis. You know what? Yeah. They switched to the flying Elvis and they went to the Super Bowl with Bill Parcells. And then they switched over, you know, they might have made it from a royal blue to a dark blue. And Tom Brady and Belichick came in and it's the evil empire since. But you know what? You can look at their history and say they rebranded and things took off. And I, are they related? No, not really. But it, it sometimes it can just change. If everything works right, it can change. You don't you don't need to look back at the at the men in red. If if the if the you don't need you don't look back as necessarily. Now the men in red. The problem was they had a really really strong beginning. But yeah. I've been I've been a fire season ticket holder since twenty. 2010 technically and we've had two playoff games in that time two playoff games both first round exits and that's been it so i think you've had a decade of stink due to due to the help you can call it for the help era, and it is maybe you do need to turn the page i think you do need and i feel like the new the one thing i do like about the new badges i get it doesn't it gets away from the the fire department the fire truck element of it yeah. and it's more it it's a, a lame attempt to look at the chicago fire as an incident versus the chicago fire as a fire department and that and and i don't think that's a bad thing and i i my guess is it's because of you know the t the, you always hear the tv show is the reason but you look at even and everyone and the counter in the again to extrapolate is people talk about the bad, the Chicago Fire Soccer Club badge is iconic, and it's a great badge. I really do like it. However, it's not like it's a replica of the actual City of Chicago Fire Department badge. It's different. So, yeah. it's not even particularly unique. Um, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the actual Fire Department specific Florian Cross, maybe, yeah, but. It's a fairly well-used shape within soccer badges. It's not overly popular, but it is used. Um, and there's always just that little bit of it. I mean, the name kind of plays into it as well, but I think the name fits a little bit more given the, the historical connotation. It's a, it's very much a, an American soccer cliche. As, as an outsider, it's always the one thing that, particularly in Britain, American soccer was always viewed as, particularly in the early years of MLS, being very cliched. There were, you know, things like your 
it's the super penalty shootout things that they had when games tied. It was always trying to be a bit razzmatazz or trying to be just moving away from what most soccer countries would consider traditional. Naming teams things like Dallas Burn, Kansas City Wizards, LA Galaxy, they're not the sort of names that you would get in most countries. It's not a city name and then United or Rovers or any of those other things. No, and and that's exactly it is. Um, but so as and now we're getting to the point where you're starting to see a lot of that. You know, how many different Uniteds are there in in MLS? Yeah, there's enough of them. You know, um, haven't heard. Of, haven't, we don't have a Rovers yet. But like I said, I you know, although if if you ever go back in the stories, and I know you probably know them as well, is the Chicago Fire was originally supposed to be the Chicago Rhythm, according to what Peter, yes. what Peter Wilt said. So I mean, it, Which is so, very so, much very much fits that U.S. soccer cliche. God bless Peter Wilt for for correcting that wrong before it became an extreme wrong. But yeah, like I said, I, I feel like this new badge. I like I, said, I think aesthetically, it's very basic. It's very kind of lameish. But I I feel like it also turns the page from the Houtman era. And it, and I I the colors I like. And everyone talk you know the the Twitter world the the CF ninety seven hashtag they don't like it because it's well it's RSL's colors. Except RSL emphasizes the red, not the navy. And you know what? That's going to happen. You're going to see teams overlap colors periodically. I mean, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Some of the greatest historical things in soccer are teams taking a kit from another team. Um, so I don't know if you know the, the story of Juventus' black site. Juventus no. played in pink. Juventus played in pink historically. And then they played against Notts County who at the time were the preeminent English team. Notts County wore black and white stripes, and Juventus were just taken with it and adopted it and have worn it ever since. When they opened their new stadium a few seasons ago, mm-hmm. that was what they played Notts County in the opening game, which is why they done that. Uh, Leeds United, they, I can't remember, I think they were originally, they were blue and yellow. Yep. In the mid-60s or early 70s, the manager changed it to all white to emulate Real Madrid. Well, uh, I mean, L- and, L- and, L- and you want a, an American version of that is LA Galaxy. Remember? Do you, I don't know if you remember their early yeah. history. They wore like yellow yeah, with yeah. the green or the yellow with the blue. Yeah, kind of teal, yeah. And then they switched to white because of David Beckham. Yeah. Because when Beckham came over from Real Madrid, he wanted them to wear all white. So they started to, and they haven't looked back since. I mean, you go to Red Bull. New York Red Bull going to the red and white of Red Bull, and then the road road kits for a long time were that blue and the yellow and blue because that's what Red Bull wore, and it happens. I mean, NYCFC being Man City light, it 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 happens. I don't know if it's always, but it's not always a bad thing. I don't think. I think Navy also gives them actually with all this speaking about identity. I actually think Navy probably gives the fire. A little bit more of a unique identity identity within Chicago sports. They're not wearing red anymore. Blackhawks are red. The Bulls are red. The Fire wore red. So you've, you've now got just a little bit more reason to stand out, and it's just a little bit more uniqueness. I know True. people go on about the the hot dog colours, the the ketchup and mustard. <laughs> I, I I like it. I think those look better than. 
the, the, the grey and the red and the navy on the Florian Shield badge. There are certain elements that I've maybe have looked to have retained. Um, I'd have probably made it outside of the oval, the six-pointed star from the, the old badge, something like that. Just a little a little nod towards the city, or I'd have made the fire crown a bit more shaped like one of the city flag stars, something like that, something simple. Um, but uh, it is what it is. You know what, and... Would you be surprised to see in like a year, you know, in a couple of years that that city star gets incorporated somehow? I mean, and I'm and, and looking at the badge, like even on the side, to the side, you know, in the, in between the two loops, the two ovals, like put a, a star on each side or something like that. Some acknowledgement of it. But yeah, I could see that too coming down the road. There was one other thing that I did think we could do with the star, which I don't, I, I need to double check the, the MLS rules on this. But I did also think we could use it as the star above the badge. That would, be, that would be that would be outstanding. That would be outstanding. That would be something brilliant, but I you know what you probably hit it right is MLS will probably say, eh, not so much. But that would be a great I, I, I think that would be a great easy way to do it. I, I agree with that. I have a feeling that they brought in the mandated star rules a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. I think they might have described precisely how the star was to look. Um, they may not have. And if they haven't, I, I really hope somebody steals that idea from me or has already had that idea because it would be brilliant. And to be honest, as well, one, of the, one of the things that uh, the complaints about the, the, the change of badges is that there's nothing to really represent the city. Other than the, the fairly hard to spot six-pointed staff on the old press, what about it represents Chicago? Yeah. That, uh, no, and, and that's that's not a bad point. And, and just in, yeah, the hardest spot, six, I can see that. And But like I said, and like I said earlier, it's not like it was a replica of the Chicago Department's logo, because it's not. No, it's, it's a very much clip art, early MLS. Kind of lazy, but admittedly one of the very better ones of the early MLS badges, because some of the early MLS badges were terrible. I remember the old LA Galaxy one, the kind of yellow triangle thing. <laughs> it's true. It's bloody horrible. I can't believe I remember that. Actually, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, yeah, I, I am too. And it, and it, what is it? The only one, the only original badge left at this point is New England Revolution, and theirs is delightfully bad too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Some I seen somebody actually saying it was quite good, and they referenced something that had used a similar design recently. And I was like, it's, it's not a good badge, guys. It's not a good badge. It's it's a very badly done American flag with the lazy soccer ball motif because how more 1990s do you want to get in fact it was the US 94 logo had it mm-hmm. the US 94 logo and the New England Rev flag are the same almost the same badge I think it was interesting I was um, and it goes back a few years I was taking a walk in my neighborhood my brother's older brother's neighborhood in Peoria Arizona and I remember walking along and somebody had painted on their cur- like on their curb like almost like a New England Revolution flag, but instead of like the soccer ball part of it, it was just 
a blue field, but I'm like, anytime I saw that, I'm like, and there were several houses that had this. I'm like going, what the heck? How did they rip off the Revolution logo? <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's a weird thing, and it, but I think you're right. It was a 94 thing, so... So anyway, so we've got, so we've, so you don't think it's a bad thing. And I think it's a net, like I said, I think it's a necessary change. I don't necessarily think the badge is particularly good, but I think the colors are, make it better. I do like the colors. So, um, yeah, and the, 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 the leaked strips, uh, I like them. I really like them. Uh, the Navy one in particular. The Navy one, correct. I agree. I agree really? about the navy one. The white, the white one's very basic. But where I do like with the white one that's been floated out there is that it's a navy. Ba- it's a navy badge. They don't try to put all the colors on it. They just keep it the, the navy straight yeah. color. I think that's a good. I, I think that was a good thing. So, um, no, I could. I, I, I will likely pick up the navy when it comes out. I, I won't lie about that. I, th- I thought it looked the leak. Both leaked ones that I. The leaked one that, I'm guessing it is. And then the one that I saw today that includes like red stripes ab- around Motorola. Yeah. Either one of those yeah. I think look good. I like them both actually. As I said earlier on, I think the, the, the badge on the Navy makes the badge look much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you take the badge in isolation, yeah, it, it does look as though it's being quickly put together by a design student who's rushing to meet a deadline or something. But there are far worse. Far, far worse. Uh, yeah. Give me that. Give me that over the Seattle Sounders badge. All right. Uh, I... the, the Sounders one uh, to me is just it's so lazy, and <laughs> it, it's just let us take. Uh, it's been the same. I've seen some of the Chicago ones that have had uh, the skyline incorporated into it, and to me that's just no, no. You don't know. It dates it very badly. Football badges should be very simple. Okay. Um, they don't need to have all sorts of silly motifs. And I actually think they've probably done that quite well through the fire one and that. As much as they've got lots of little points on the graphics and this means something and this means something different. And it's pretty simple in its design. It's a few triangles and an oval. Yeah. Um, I mean, so let's... Let's kind of transition because we're talking about logos here. We're going to transition because your primary club, Rangers, and their badge is a is not a, not a real detailed thing. I'm looking at it right now, and it's which one is it? Just the scroll crest, the RFC, because we have a couple different ones. There's well, also and, the, the lion rampant on the ball. Yep, it, but that that one. I'm looking at that one, but yeah, and, and then even the RFC, which is on the on the kit itself. Not a whole lot of detail to it. Not a whole extravagant thing. It's pretty basic. It doesn't need to be. All it has to be. And it's one of those things that, if done properly, you can tell what it is and you know what it is. You don't need the explanation. It's a bit of a cliche itself. But yeah, that badge is somewhat iconic to enough people around the world that I wore it in Chicago and it was recognized. Absolutely. No, and um, and but let let's start with a simple question as to part of you know kind of in, as we transition here, what makes the Rangers badge iconic versus the Chicago Fire's new one? Is part of it is to me the answer is winning. Yes, there's two elements to it: winning and time. Nothing new is ever going to be a hundred percent popular. 
Um, and when Rangers first started using that crest, there was a badge that was used before that. And I'm sure there were some old timers who they kicked up a fuss and they had them worn and they didn't like it. But if the team wins games, they could wear pink and yellow stripes for a lack of really a winning a winning team means far, far more than me being able to go that badge is quite aesthetically pleasing. Well, and that and that's that's just kind of it is. Your badge I, I said this to I think I said this to Pat and Chris the other night when we were recording is if they winning will it solve everything? And the answer the consensus was because it was still leaked, it was still relatively fresh and every well, I don't know. And I'm like and I keep coming back to if if that is what switches gears for the fire is if they start winning games, nobody's gonna care anymore. That they're gonna they will see that badge as basic and as simplistic as it is. And the navy color, you know, oh, they ripped off ourselves colors. You know what? If they start winning in that navy, no one's going to care. They're going to identify navy with the winning. Yes. If it's if it's sustained, not just a one-off thing. If it's a sustained, oh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. So I think it, one thing that's probably quite important as well is just the general atmosphere that's existed between the front office and at least a section of the support. I think that that whole Twitter echo chamber where. Many people think everything that gets done is wrong. So yeah, the, and, the club couldn't, couldn't win with that. No, and no, they weren't going to win, and that's that, and that's kind of one of the things. That I guess you being across, having some distance, you know, as we we were talking about before we were recording, having distance in things, you see things differently than we than we do, especially me being in the area, and if both of us see within that. Twitter bubble, a Twitter universe, the anger and the hostility between the front office and the supporters groups. It it always fascinates me because when I had my season tickets, I my season tickets, as you know, were over close to the were over by the side by the fire bench. They weren't in the supporter section. They weren't in sector eight or section eight or sector Latino and whatever. And the things that would be important on Twitter, you get to the game and everybody who's around me and these are regular these are people i'd be at every game with wouldn't know a darn bit about and wouldn't care so it's that it's that echo chamber that now the twitter outrage on this badge i will say has hit i mean it got a story i believe in the sun times and the tribune about how much it was disliked by the by the twitter group but time will tell you know it's like i go down to the city of chicago i don't see a ton of fire stuff i don't you see it here nope. and there, but not maybe. maybe that, was, that was that was something that really stood out to me actually when I was over. Um, when I was there, when I, when I stayed downtown, the place I was in was right next door to an Irish bar, and they happened on a little A-frame advertising board. They happened to have a Chicago Fire badge, but that was one of less than five. Chicago Chicago Fire related things that I saw away from Toyota Park, and that was I think I was in the city in almost three weeks. Probably yeah, most people it, saw me wearing Chicago Fire merch, walking <laughs> around in the, in the look because I had I had my tracksuit top, I had a scar, I had my scarf that I still wear, um, I had a hat, I've got my shirt, everything, and I was like, yeah, I'll wear this because it's it's an everyday it's an everyday thing for us. Um, like I'll see people. Not not so much now, I'll admit. Um, the globalisation of soccer 
Like, I don't see anywhere near as many kids now wearing Rangers and Celtic tops as we used to when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't really wear Barcelona tops. We didn't really wear Premier League tops. Like, my, my little brother, um, so my brother's a couple of years younger than I am, and he supported Man U for some reason. Never understood it. But he, he grew up supporting Manchester United. Never been to Manchester, didn't have any links to Manchester, but for some reason, he was obsessed with Eric Cantona. And he got a Man U kit in like 1995, maybe. Okay. And that was that was the first time I, I knew anybody who didn't, it wasn't a Scottish top. Like, it was bizarre. It was, it was, it was incredible. Now, like, I see kids now running about here wearing Club America kits. I've seen clubs, kids wearing Orlando City. Um, I've seen kids wearing Juve and Barca and Real Madrid constantly. There's kids wearing all the Premier League kits. Wolves. Wolves, I mean, I don't know. Wolves, to me, are the perennial mid-table English team that mm-hmm. kids would get kicked about for wearing a Wolves kit And when I was growing up. We didn't wear a wolf kit, it was just weirdos who wore that. But now these are all sort of high brand, high value teams that kids love wearing above Rangers and Celtic kits. But somewhere like Chicago, just the complete lack of anything blew me away. So I saw everything else. I even saw people wearing other MLS kits. That is no it, fire. It, it, yeah, um, and for me, that kind of the way you're describing it kind of reminds me is before I moved to Chicago, I lived in I lived in Phoenix, outside in the in Phoenix in the Phoenix suburbs, and I go watch the Coyote the the now Arizona Coyotes. They're the Phoenix Coyotes when I lived with the hockey team. Yeah, and you go to a game, you go to a Blackhawks game, for example, you see Blackhawks shirts. I went to a St. Louis Blues game down in St. Louis hockey. You saw nothing but blues shirts or because I think when I was there, it was right around the 2010 Olympics. So you'd see some U.S. and some Canada hockey jerseys. Yeah. But if you're it was all blue stuff, you didn't. And I think they're playing the Rangers that night. So you caught a couple of New York Rangers. Shoes. But you go to a Coyotes game. And it was never it was probably 60 percent. But you would see Penguins jerseys. You would see Blackhawks jerseys. You'd see just whatever Avalanche, Colorado, just all these Calgary Flames, there was no like tide and loyalty, and that might just be the sign of the times that because of the globalization of sports in general, you and in Phoenix, I think part of it was everybody was a transplant from somewhere else. Nope, it's there's not a lot yeah. of organic things, and that's kind of maybe with the globalization of football is the same thing. You can be a fan of Barcelona while living in Glasgow. You can be a fan of Real Madrid or Manchester United or whatever. You can do that now. Where, you know, when you and I, when I was a kid, even before, you know, you, you couldn't, you had yeah. your teams and that was about it. You get one, you know, in other sports, you get one national game a week and that was it. Now you get as many games on TV as you can get, or you can stream them all. You can find, you know, like you say, we were talking before we got started, being a fan of the fire is with ESPN plus is not hard for you anymore. No, no, we just need a, a VPN and that's me. So not that. And the other thing we kind of talked about with that earlier is, before we went on, it was one of the challenges of being a fan of the Scottish Premier League in in the United States is they're not on TV. Like yeah. If I wanted to watch Rangers, I wanted to watch Celtic, I'd have to 
subscribe to Rangers TV or Celtic TV, and that's what we said, what, 30 bucks a month, give or take? Yeah, yeah, something like, which is just, it's crazy. Um, and I, I know there's pubs that show it across there, but I know they all have to enter into a, a quite expensive agreement with the club to get the rights to broadcast it. And it's sad. It's especially what really blows my mind from somebody on, like, on this side of the pond is our TV markets. Like our TV works totally different to American TV. Um, like we don't have media markets as such. The, the UK is just one big media market, really. Our local TV consists of you get maybe a local news bulletin and you might get some regionalised TV programme, but the bulk of everything goes out all across the whole UK. So yesterday, BT Sports were showing, or Sky Sports were showing Aberdeen versus St. Johnson. And that was shown in every single corner of the UK, from John O'Groats to Truro and everywhere in between. So we always, we just had like a full slate of British football. If Chelsea were on TV, I could watch Chelsea sitting at home if Rangers were on TV I could watch Rangers and whoever else which I suppose I, I, we would then have a little bit more not knowledge as such but maybe a little bit more affinity towards English clubs but like Spanish games we would get Spanish football once a week that was it you would get one game a week on a Sunday night uh, American we would occasionally get MLS if you would get so we have we don't have cable quite the same way. Um, cable's much more secondary here to satellite TV. Uh, we, we all go with Sky with satellite. So you'd, you'd occasionally get like the random channel way up high that's operated by three guys that would have got the MLS rights or the Dutch rights or something like that, and you would get that. Or Serie A, we actually we used to get Serie A. Uh, that used to be huge in Britain. So the 1990s, there was a programme called Football Italia on uh, one of the four terrestrial channels, so one of the four networks, and it was amazing. Uh, you would have James Richardson sat in an Italian coffee shop with a big broadsheet paper. But it just it felt so cultured, and it felt so absolutely different to everything. Whereas now, I can sit down, yeah, what, Sunday night, Saturday night, Saturday night, I watched the uh, Copa Libertadores final on a UK network for the first time ever. And there was seemingly quite a lot of other people joined me watching that. It was just crazy. We'd, you'd never get that kind of thing. Well, and, and, you know, and then even, like I said, you start, especially when you extrapolate in the streaming, and you have, you know, like I said, the Serie A is on ESPN. Um, the Premier League is on NBC, SN, NBC, you know, all the channels here. You got uh, Liga MX um, is on every Saturday. Fox has got a couple of games, plus uh, Univision, Deportes, and Uni- uh, Telemundo have games on. So you get get Mexico, you get MLS that are all over ESPN+. Plus. Next year, you, right now on Fox, you get the, the Bundesliga. Next year, you're going to have that on ESPN+. Plus. You're going to have, you know, you've got BN Sports has... I believe France, it's got Spain and, you know, and then, so that's where those games are. And so you pretty much just get Barcelona and PSG and Real Madrid, but you you get games, but, and it's interesting. I'm going to 
stop there. You know, I want to stop there. And the reason why is because people complain that, you know, you'll hear, well, all that's ever on is Barcelona or Real Madrid or PSG. If you're those channels, that's what people, that's the audience that people want to see. You know, like on Fox, if you're watching the Bundesliga, there's not a Saturday goes by that, that Bayern Munich isn't on one of the channels. Well, people want to watch. That's, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and w- without going into the pro-rel argument, because that's a whole other thing, it's the same thing you, we talked about this before you we went live. Part of that is, in the United States, is it's the TV audience. As much as Louisville City winning USL, or I guess they lost our Roy, um, Real Monarchs, but US, Louisville City winning the last couple of years, People aren't going to tune in to watch Louisville City against Real Salt Lake or against FC Cincinnati. Or, but if, but Chicago is still. How many more viewers are there in Chicago versus Louisville? And that, when you're talking about national TV money, that's a huge deal. Yeah, that's massive. And there's somewhere like Chicago, you've got like nine million people there. For all the arguments and the fire signed up with. ESPN Plus about making it hard for the casual viewer and for bars and what have you to pick it up. All right, I believe they might have made a bit of a boo-boo with the bars or something to do with it. Um, but in terms of casual viewers, you would like to think that with the slate of sports that's already available on these things, people will have like I'm sure that ESPN, for example, are a big enough name that people are going to go, oh, ESPN have their own over-the-top streaming service. I might subscribe to that without needing the added caveat of, oh, Chicago Fire games are on there. Yeah. Well, and the other part of it with the Fire, and I I know I've spoken about this extensively, is it was the first TV contract, as much as people hated it, was the first one where they were getting paid to put their content on versus paying or, yeah, basically paying for the TV time and then making the money back where they have to sell the ad revenue where it's the other way. ESPN was paying them for a change. And that then all comes back into the, the whole thing we said earlier on about a winning team. With the badge not making a difference when the team's winning, if the team on the pitch isn't winning and you're trying to sell ad space, you're not, yeah. you're not making anywhere near what you would be making if you've got a playoff team year in, year out. Yeah, but it it's but what, it's funny. But it's funny. You, it's you look at these ads. You look back to sure. If what goes on in that, and that's something else that we said earlier on. Everything comes back to that. What goes on in the big green rectangle in the middle of the stadium? Because if you're not doing that right, doesn't matter what you're doing anywhere else. You could have. Right. The, freshest badges and the best kits made by the greatest designers we could have the best players the most markable players in the world if they're not winning nobody cares would the Harlem Globetrotters have sold tickets if they didn't win every game Speak. wow I, that's a reference I did not but no you're, <laughs> but I, I love that's a great that's a great everyone you know looks at the Seattle Sounders they look at Atlanta FC, Portland Timbers, and look at their atmospheres. They win. Yes. And atmosphere only gets you so far. But the atmosphere ha- is winning. 
it's and especially in the states you know we we talked about this before we went live and we seem to be doing that a lot is the culture you you talked to and you mentioned earlier time yep. rangers and celtic for example have been winning for years and years and years but you have that culture and now it's a generational thing mls is still yep. mls is still what 25 you know it's 30 yeah. 25 years it's you know it's it's 25 years old i've been in i've been i was in america at a time when they didn't have a professional soccer league right so i mean that's that's how new this is and it's something i've spoken to you about it before a few times i think kids like charlie mm-hmm. when they grow up going to games with their dad or their mum or their big brother or their cousin or their aunt and their uncle or whoever it might be having that that bond with the role, a role model or a family member or somebody that's important to them is such an important part of these clubs becoming like not getting over a, 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 the success of a redesigned badge but becoming an actual long term part of the community where you don't get to a position where things might start going wrong at clubs and the shutters come down and, you know, you start from scratch again, you rip it all up, such as the American way in sports. You know, it's, it's, there's a it's, thing where it's, instead of allowing it to, to have peaks and troughs and to become a thing, one of the biggest things for me as a Rangers fan was been taken to games as a kid by my uncle and my dad and watch, sitting watching games on TV and just seeing how much it meant to those people who meant so much and turned to me. So, yeah. Sure. And and it's it's funny. It You know, again, we, we talk, I'm going to use a different sport because that's kind of, you know, within the United States, it's obviously the foot, football is the big thing. And you know, even last night, my, you know, I, I grew up watching the Packer game, and you're right. How many memories are watching Packer games with my dad on TV um, and things like that? Going to Brewer games, which is I mean, with baseball, with my mom, and so on and so forth. And you're right. For Charlie, it'll be going to Fire games. For Lizzie and Charlie, it'll be going to Red Stars games. And if those teams to continue to exist 20 and 30 years from now, it's going to be part of their fabric, and that's. And that's how you build that culture. It's not done. You can do it with just that immediate jolt of energy, like LAFC, like Atlanta United, and but you you got but it all comes down to winning. Or it becomes you become lovable losers, and you know, the Cubs have that. Well, the black the fire know. of the fire of pride that one, and it didn't work. The lovable loser thing only works when you've already got you've built up that. Like, part of the, that, well, you've, you've you got know, to be part of the neighborhood. Like the Cubs get yeah. away with it because they're part of that neighborhood. Exactly. If, if, if you found a mangy dog, you're not going to keep her. If you if you have a dog that gets old and gets sick, you might show a bit more compassion. And that's that's how soccer needs to be. And it's 22 years old. I'm sorry, but the fire aren't there yet. They, they, they can't afford to be lovable losers. No, and kind of to bring that all the way back to full circles with this whole brand change and everything else. If they start winning and every and everything goes the way, you know, you now have an investment from an owner who he is Chicago. I, you know, as much critical critical mass that goes on about this new badge, 
the owner signs off on this. Don't think he doesn't. He's a Chicago guy. He Hold looked on. at it and he thought it represented Chicago better than what they had. But and part and I believe part of it is because what they had got mistaken for the TV show way too often at that point. So he decided to he decided to get a team. He just you know, they they because they used a, a marketing company or a design company that's out of LA and New York and they don't get Chicago. You know what? They did the Milwaukee Bucks rebrand a couple years ago. And they're in New York and LA and you know what? Milwaukee is that same type of city and Mil- the Bucks seem to the city of Milwaukee seems to have embraced the new colors, the new look of the Bucks, but you know why? Because they win. If that's what comes down to yeah. these new colors and everything comes down to winning, a lot of this will be forgotten and Section 8 will and the CF97 or I guess the CSFC hashtag, they'll find something else to be angry about. Winning solves everything. Oh, yeah, people people are always have stuff to complain about and the quicker they get back winning, the less they will complain. Yeah, and you know what? We're going to move on to winning here. Um, I, I do, like I said, part of the joy of having you on is we've we've touched on Rangers a little bit, and they're t- you know they're right up at the top of the table this year again. It's last last year was their first year back in Scottish, and they weren't quite there, but now they are. Now it feels like now it feels like the Rangers and Celtic that I can recall as a kid. It was always Rangers and Celtic. One of them was winning, the other one was in second. It just wasn't even a question about it. Yeah, it very much feels like the, the status quo is back. Um, I mean, I've, I've grown up with only Rangers and Celtic winning the league in Scotland. Um, I've, I've, I've never seen anybody else win the title. So, to now have it back to the point where you've now got them both actually challenging is just so refreshing. And obviously, as a, as a Rangers fan, and and so it's not been good seeing them suck for so long. That had, how hard how hard was that as a fan? I mean, because you grew up and they were first or second every year, and the years that they I, were second. And uh, I guess let me. That's two part question. The first question is, when they took second when you were a kid before they blew up and melted down, did it feel like they got la- they took last just because you were you know so used to them winning? And then the second part yeah. question is, does it? Does it feel the same now? That does this year feel different? Does it feel more like back to that that level of that level of competition? So, I mean, I'm I'm of a generation of Rangers fans who were spoiled for success, and there's no other way to put it. I was quite simply spoiled for success. My my very first footballing memories. So I have like a handful of really early football memories. Uh, bizarrely, one of them is in Soldier Field, the opening ceremony in '94 World Cup. Clear as day, it's one of my really early first proper. But I can I know what it was and when it was. And but one of the other ones, the they all kind of start 1992-93 season, mm-hmm. which is more or less, if not the best Rangers season in modern times. It's the second best Rangers season in modern times. <laughs> uh, like they were ninety minutes away from the European Cup final. They went on a forty-four game unbeaten streak in all competitions. Uh, they beat Leeds United home and away in the qualifier for the Champions League. 
which is awesome because it's champions of Scotland, this is the champions of England. Sure. So, so that growing up, I mean, that's that's the first real season that I can remember. Um, and after that, it was the year two thousand. My memories. It was nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. It might have been nineteen ninety nine. Actually, was the first time I didn't see Rangers win the league, and I turned thirteen in nineteen ninety nine. So, it's, like, yeah. it's, 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 I, I can't imagine, and I can't think. Celtic fans in this era, who, who were all a similar age as I would have been then, will have seen their team have just as good, if not better, success on paper, trophy-wise. But they've not had that competition all the time through it. Rangers weren't necessarily always head and shoulders above everyone. So growing up, yeah, when it finally happened, and Rangers didn't win the league, it was, it was one of the strangest days of my life. It was one of those things like, it's such a hard thing to actually describe things, but I've never had to describe it to someone before. Um, <laughs> because well, everybody here has, everybody here knows, and everybody here has their own recollections and. You know, for half of us, half of us, we all felt the same. You know, so it's... sure. And then, and then the other half, it's now the recent times. They don't know, yeah, they, like, uh, when if Ranger if Rangers take the tie, take the premiership this year, you're gonna have a whole lot of Celtic fans going, "Wait, what? We always win." No, it's gonna be confusing for them, isn't it? Yeah, for, I mean, for guys my age, mm-hmm. there's been there's been a lot of kind of hubris from Celtic fans and a lot of them kind of, it's hard to tell if it's genuine belief that they think their team's that much better than what it might actually be or you know, if there's that tongue-in-cheek element of it's Rangers and Celtic so let's try to get a reaction from the other side but yeah for guys my age when it happens and hopefully it happens in May because by God I'm I'm dying for it. Um, but if it happens in May, it's going to be so weird for them because they've been on both sides of the fence now. And it's something that I think a lot of them have at least convinced themselves that this season they're going to win the league. It's, it, it's kind of, it's it's almost like, so they almost feel like it's their destined, yeah, destined. Yeah. Sure. And we were, we were the same. Um Going back to when we went, we were going to go for, well, we went for 10 in a row. Yeah, well, it was almost a, I think the circumstances of the time, Walter Smith had announced he was retiring at the end of the season. Dick Advocat was coming in to take charge, so it was a, kind of this, a similar situation to where the fire find themselves now. Um, just, it was a, not quite a boardroom level, but it was certainly a, a new era taking place on the field. Um, mm-hmm. lots, of, lots of genuine bona fide legends, like guys that I had grown up my entire childhood watching, guys like Ali McCoist, uh, who to this day is yeah, the, the single greatest goal scorer I've ever seen. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, 
like for my absolute absolute idol. They moved on. Brian Lowdrop moved on. Paul Gascoigne had moved on earlier that season. Andy Gorham moved on, who at one point was, if not the best goalkeeper in the world, he was the second best goalkeeper in the world. And he was a wee short fat guy with two bad knees and a drink problem. Which just leaves you wondering how good he could have actually been. But you then had all these foreign superstars were coming. We had Arthur Newman, who was the, the Dutch World Cup left back. So it just it coincided with the, yeah, it was the summer of 1998 World Cup. So yeah, you had Arthur Newman was coming to Rangers. Uh, Giovanni van Bronckhorst was coming to Ibrox. Um, Dick Advocat was going with a big reputation. I think we spent something like £60 million that first summer. But for Celtic this year, if it doesn't happen, that's, they're not going to have the same turnover. They're not going to have the same big investment. So them, it's going to be a, possibly a more difficult one for them to take. Uh, but they're not going to have that silver lining if it does all go belly up for them. We at least had the silver lining of, okay, we didn't win 10, but here's what happens next season. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't have that. They don't have... Scottish football can't afford that now. It's not in a position where somebody can pump in 60, 70 million pounds in transfers. It just doesn't happen. It's a different world now. Well, it, and it, it's a different world because... You, you're not going to have. There's not enough of a global brand. I hate to say it, outside of Celtic no, and Rangers. It's to absolutely true. There's, there's not enough of a brand within Scotland for some of them. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I look. I'm looking at like you know somebody like Aberdeen or Hearts or something. You're not going to get somebody a, a multi-billionaire going to come in. Hey, I'm going to drop a ton of money in. Number one, because FIFA, the FIFA Fair Play, won't allow it because there isn't enough money in Scottish football for it. But the other is. It's just there's not enough TV exposure where, you know, when the when when the Saudi royal family, what the Saudi royal family came in and bought Man City and whatever. Or is that Dubai? I forget which one they have. But but point being, Man City, there's enough TV exposure, the Premier League of the English Premier League that you can make that a lot of that at least have some of that money back. Yeah. And you can get it. you, You know. Like I said, I remember a time, and I know you do too. We're like Man City. We we're a mid-table team. Chelsea was a mid-table, you know, you know, Man City. I can remember being being a, being in the championship and not being in the Premier League. So yeah, I remember them being second division. Um, yes, I mean, in terms of TV money, the difference is just in, between Scotland and England. And this this kind of galls me a little bit. And kind of going back to the what was about the media markets. Mm-hmm. So Scottish the Scottish Premier League, or Scottish Premiership, I should say, and the English Premier League share broadcasters. With Sky Sports and BT Sport, we have the same subscription base. They have, you know, there's no different channels for them. There's no, there's ostensibly no different, but the broadcast, the same broadcaster will pay billions. To, to, to England, English football for the Premier League rights. Whereas in Scotland, I believe our TV deal comes to a combined value of around £30 million a year. 
which is a quarter of what the team finish in bottom of the Premier League gets alone in TV money. And you need to split that between 42 clubs. Well, and, and, and what we were talking about it before is, you know, just getting being able to watch the, the Scottish Premiership in the United States. It's just not there. Yeah. You know, where I can flip on any weekend, I can find four or five Premier League games. I, you know, I can find Bundesliga games. I can find, you know, if I had BN Sports, I'd find um, La Liga, you know, and uh, Ligue 1. And, but I, Scott, so Premiership is... Marketed. It's just not there, and it, yeah. which is which to me, which to me is kind of tragic in that. Well, but to their credit, and I will give Rangers and I'll give Celtic credit, they both have their their own gate where they can show their games online internationally. And well, I know, like everyone, you know, Smith and then tends to have one. Um, I think most Scottish clubs have that in some platform or other now, but as a a, a combined group broadcasting thing there's no reason why they shouldn't be showing games in the US or showing games in Canada or wherever else the only because but the the downside to having those only you know club only run things like every you can get almost every Rangers game or every Celtic game if you want to pay that but you're Mm. only going to get diehards you're not going to get casuals absolutely yeah nobody's going to pay I think it was thirty dollars a month somewhere in that, that region for a club-specific channel where you're only going to get access to one club's games as good as the archives and everything else may be. You're not going to just pay for one club and not at that high, high, high level. No, and but the, now, and I'm guessing Rangers FC and uh, or Rangers TV and same with Celtic TV doesn't get the doesn't get the European game, so now you got to pay more for that too. Correct. So, yeah, so the only games you don't get are the you get it on a delayed broadcast, but you won't get it live. So, yeah, and that's not great. <laughs> Where meanwhile, and you know, we talked about ESPN Plus earlier. You can get every MLS game, every USL game, every almost every Serie A. I think every Serie A game next year you're going to add the Bundesliga, FA Cup. You know, there's why why the Scottish Premiership is not reaching out to ESPN Plus and trying to get on one of their those platforms or Fox Soccer Plus or something, getting back on one of those platforms where people where you can get it, you might pick up some casual viewers and grow your audience. Well, but even if it's a, a case of just going, we'll give you the right for twelve months for free, uh, free content. You can mm-hmm. keep whatever whatever you make our subscribers and anything else. We're looking for nothing in return. However, in 12 months' time, we'll come back and we'll look to renegotiate a proper deal. And you can give yourself that fighting chance to build an audience. Because there's enough people, as I said, there's there's 9 million people in Chicago land. 5 million people in Scotland and we have 42 professional clubs. Now, if you can't find enough of an audience in one market, which is almost double the size of Scotland, then you've got God knows how many more to go and choose from in America alone. But for some reason, we struggle to look past what we're doing here. And Scottish football is so poorly run. 
always get a bit of a laugh sometimes when I'm having a look on I'm having a look on Twitter and you see the some of the complaints about MLS and it's like guys, Scottish football would blow your mind. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it absolutely is. So all right, we've been doing this for an hour. I want to go a few more minutes and then we'll kind of wrap it up here. But I do want to talk about, because it's to me, it's one of the unique things. Now, when it comes down to it, to those that don't know, is anybody who listens to this pod obviously knows this already, but one of the most hated rivalries in the world is Celtic and Rangers. No question about it. But yet here you are doing boys and blue noses. A Rangers and Celtic... YouTube stream, it's, it's on YouTube, right? Correct? Yep. yep. So and and podcast. All the other good podcast platforms, whichever ones they may be. To me, this is, it's just staggering that the two of the most hated rivals in the world, and yet you guys are able to do a podcast together. How does that, how does that work? And have you guys ever been close to fighting or have you guys finding, you know, what what unites you is more than you know your love of, love of foot, soccer and things like that is more than what divides you your hatred of the other team. Yeah, I, th- I think the big thing for us all. I mean, we're we're all inverted commas here. We're all professional journalists, um, so we've got that little degree of not just being complete idiots. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's, there's very, very few rivalries anywhere in sport that comes close to this. Um, and I, I'm surprised by the, the very fact that we have list of that, of that in itself. Just, I find crazy. Uh, because it's, it's one of these, these things where Rangers and Celtic fans have got that whole religious thing that goes on and it's a horrible Rangers and Celtic online environment is horrible horrible Um, one of the American soccer probably most poisonous hashtag would be the pro rail one and a certain fellow with a certain Dutch sounding name (laughs) (laughs) tinfoil Ted we'll just move on from that Yes, I mean, and that that pales in comparison to some of the stuff that, that's general fear between Rangers and Celtic fans, and between Rangers fans on Rangers fans, and Celtic fans on Celtic fans, and yeah, it's it's, it's, it's poisonous. Uh, but for some reason, a podcast with two Rangers fans and two Celtic fans just chatting about it seems to do fairly well. Incredibly. Uh, Is it, now for work, do you actually have to watch? Do you do you watch Celtic games just so you have a perspective during the week? Not if I can help it. Um, uh, okay. It's a funny one because we get wall to wall coverage, wall to wall coverage, Rangers and Celtic. Um, I mean, I, I make a living writing exclusively about Rangers. Right. And I do that on a website with three other guys who all do it full-time. So, I mean, there's enough news content out there, enough opinion content out there about Rangers where, you know, we've got a full-time staff. It's not a big full-time staff, but it's it's three people who are 
writing about Rangers full time. We've got four guys writing about Celtic full time. So the 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 sheer inform a sheer amount of information that's out there on a daily basis, and some of it's the most tangentially linked stuff you can imagine. Um, it's a really common occurrence here, for example. I don't imagine that you'll have ever seen this in any American newspapers. So let's just say uh, somebody gets, let's say there's a shooting, okay? Somebody gets shot. We don't do shootings, we do stabbings, but I'll use shootings. Um, and certain newspapers in Scotland, they will find a way to shoehorn into that story that the victim or the alleged shooter support Rangers or Celtic. Because the, the internet traffic that it does, or the, the just the interest that it gets from people searching the words Rangers and Celtic or looking at a newspaper and seeing Rangers on a banner headline, that will get people more, or it will get people quicker than man shot somewhere. And that and that and that's something I don't think an American fan will truly ever understand is the fact that he's a Rangers fan or a Celtic fan matters more than the actual than almost as much as what actually was done because then let me get let me and to extrapolate it seems like because he's a Rangers fan that's why he did it versus or something is that kind of how it gets tied in it can do Uh, it will depend on the story but sometimes it can have literally nothing to do with it like absolutely nothing to do with anything Um, but it just sells the story a bit more because more people are interested in the Rangers aspect, not even the Rangers aspect of it, but just the fact that it says Rangers. It's kind of like Trump now. You could probably, you can put the word Trump into any headline and people will click on it just because it says the word Trump. And Rangers and Celtic have that effect on Scotland. Um, and it's, it's not even a relatively rare occurrence. This is something that will happen almost, if not daily, at least weekly. Um, there will be a, a, a not a week goes by that you'll, and it could be something simple, even simple things. So a young guy, a young kid dies of cancer. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll tie in the Rangers aspects to it because they know that Rangers fans will look at that story because, oh, look, there's a sad story about a young Rangers fan. So they'll look at it. That's that's how, how much these things utterly all-pervasive in every aspect of life here. Almost sure. is. And it's, but, it's, but yet, you know, I, I feel like grow, growing up, and I felt like always it was, you could almost put a wall, almost like a wall between Rangers and, and Celtic fans because the level, but like I said, I'm just still fascinated that you guys can come together and do that, yeah. pod, do that on a regular I, basis. I, I think Certain aspects of it, aspects of it can be overplayed somewhat. Um, I mean, there's not. Some people would think that it's like Palestine and Israel, where you know there's not any mixture between us. Most people, there's not. The only friction will exist on match days or at weekends when people are drinking. Ninety percent of the time, it's, it's not. A, it's everywhere, but it's not enough that you go, well, I won't associate with this guy or I won't 
be too friendly with that guy because they support a different team. But when it comes to the old firm day or when it comes to certain other sides of it, there are very... It's getting more partisan again. I will say that. It is getting much more partisan. Um, but I think that's sort of because not just a football thing. I think it's a political thing and it's a societal thing and I think everybody in general just and it's, and it's right across the board it's, I think it's happening on your side of the pond as well where you know you can't be a centrist anymore you can't have fairly balanced opinions you need to be very much on this side of the fence or very much on that side of the fence you can't just be the guy who goes he says some right and she says some right and I'm somewhere in the middle. And yeah, most most old firm fans, most Ranger fans have got Celtic supporting friends and girlfriends and boyfriends and that's not a big thing. But it gets very tribal when it needs to be very tribal. <laughs> well. And I think it's probably the biggest it's probably the best part of it. And it's one thing that I don't think Americans will ever truly get. Um, at least not for generations because we have I suppose it's, it's, it's odd because there is certain aspects to it where so like we, we have Catholic schools and we have non-denominational schools and there will be rivalry between them because the perception is that one's a Ranger school and one's a Celtic school they're not well, they sometimes are the school I went to was primarily Rangers fans. The Catholic school in the town mainly Celtic fans. But we, like, we were still friends and we would still play soccer together and we would still all integrate. But if we were picking sides, I would pick my guys and they would pick their guys. So you would end up breaking back down along the Rangers and Celtic front, like, we don't do religion much here either. Religion's not as much as you have the perception of Catholics and Protestants. It's just substitutes for Rangers and Celtic. <laughs> it's... It, it really is. It's, it's so bizarre because I mean, to all intents and purposes, I should be Protestant because I'm a Rangers fan, and uh, that's kind of the side of the church I would kind of brought up on but yeah like we don't go to church we don't do like I know religion's much not a much bigger thing so as yeah it's a much bigger thing in America but you use, use you have you do that thing where it's God and country we don't quite get as tied into that and I think we're a little bit more at arm's length with everybody you can do your thing and I'll do my thing and we'll keep a kind of stiff upper lip about it and nobody mentions anything. But that was when I, when I was over for the, the fire game, that was the one thing that blew my mind was in like the national anthems and everything. Just wow. I've never seen anything like that in sports. I mean I've seen it on TV a million times. Sure. And I couldn't imagine that happening here. Couldn't imagine it. Uh, people would go crazy. Not because <laughs> it's 
I mean, yeah, they've become the whole political aspect of of Britain and nationalism and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But people would also just attach the football side to it as well. Like it's, yeah, everything in Scotland, not so much England. England's a bit different. England's a bit less. Not hateful, but a bit less in each other's pocket. Whereas we all, we, everybody across Scotland, well, not everybody, but uh, the majority of people across Scotland, if they don't support Rangers and Celtic, they have a leaning one way or the other. Sure. So if you like, okay, so if you were an Aberdeen fan, you 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 may be Aberdeen first, but you have a side in the Rangers and Celtic, or it, in, it, you all, you still have that aside in that. Yeah, a lot of them won't admit to it. A lot of them are like, no, nope, I'm purely, but when you go far enough, they will always have one preference over the other. Because everybody always has a preference over everything eventually when you push it far enough. Well, um, and I mean, I guess, I guess I feel like the closest thing we have here professionally, Packers and Bears, maybe, um, Cowboys in Washington. For football, I guess basketball. I don't know. I wouldn't honestly know basketball because that seems to be constantly moving. Yankees and Red Sox for baseball. Yankees, Red Sox is probably the one that I would say would be closest. Um, yeah, Yankees, Red Sox probably fits most because it's it's the one thing that everybody knows who the Yankees are and everybody knows who the Red Sox are. And sure. They'll have they'll have one abiding memory one way or the other. It might be I don't know, they've seen the Yankees do something good or the Red Sox done something that sucked. And that will just be what sticks with them. It's might be as close as you're gonna see like I said, the other one if if you've been here like I said on the football side, probably the and being a Chicago person, living in Chicago but growing up in Wisconsin, the Packers and Bears are that way yeah. for the for, for for pro football. It, it, they've like Rangers and Celtic, they've won the you know, and the Yankees. Well, the Red Sox, I don't even know as much, but but they've won the most titles between the two of them, and it's not even close. The thing, the only difference is with the Packers and Bears is when I was growing up, the Packer, the Bears used to beat the day, daylights out of the Packers, and then now the Packers beat the daylights out of the Bears. So, but yeah, everybody has a side ultimately when it comes down to it, and so. But yeah, so we've been at this. What, we're recording for long enough, I think. We're at an hour and seventeen, so I think we're going to wrap it up here. And and I again, um, for those who you know just catch, well, you're not catching it now. You've been listening the whole time. Check out James. James's can be found with um, RangersNews.uk, um, Boys and Blue Noses podcast, which is a great Rangers Celtic podcast. Like I said, it's a joint one. It's great perspective because as we were talking beforehand, it's great because you get. You, when Rangers have news, you'll get a Celtic opinion on it, and it might put a yeah. little bit better perspective of it, not as much into that that Twitter and social media black hole. You get a different perspective on a player that you may think is terrible, but they may say, he's got some talent. You know, It's a different perspective, and it's been, it's been a great success since it took off. I give you guys a ton of credit for thinking outside the box and doing that. It's a great show, so definitely check that Thank one out. Um, any final thoughts this, this week, James? Oh, lots. Um, I'm more interested to see just quite how things shake out with uh, the rebranding and repackaging and rebuilding of the fire. I think we're a long, long way from finished with that. 
Um, in terms of personnel, both in the front office and in the squad, and just quite how they're going to go with the the new coach, the new technical director, whoever that it may end up being. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it, it'll be interesting, and you know we'll have to keep in touch and do this again when the that's moved along a little further. Maybe during the season we'll get to we'll get together or we'll do this again periodically. So, but I appreciate the Absolutely. time for those. Um, Again, this is the Minivan Dad Pod at Minivan Dad Pod. Um, I can be at TJ Zaremba. Um, check us out: Twitter, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Five Stars, all that stuff to move us up the food chain. So, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll do this again. I'm not sure if we'll do another one this week with uh, Chris and Pat to do more shenanigans, but if we don't, then Happy Thanksgiving. If we do, we'll catch you guys then. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.